Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning again, and and welcome, especially if you're visiting with us. My name's Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a pleasure I get to share with you this morning. Our series title is uh, Proper Response to the Perfect Gift. I think it should be the proper weather for the perfect Christmas. It was 78 degrees yesterday. This is why I live here. I love it. If you're thinking of moving here, it's like this every day. Come on down. So we've been in this series uh, that we've, we've called exactly that, the proper response to the perfect gift. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Magi and uh, the trip that they made from, from where they were in, in Persia. They came about 900 miles to uh, find and worship the Christ child. And we've been using as our overarching text for all of this, a passage out of Matthew 2, which um, says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So if you remember last week, we talked about the Magi uh, looking for Herod, who had proclaimed himself king of the Jews. And they said, hey, yeah, but we're looking for the real king of the Jews. And he said, excuse me? <laughs> you know, I'm the king of the Jews. You're, you, you found him. They said, no, no, we've read the prophecies. And you know, these guys weren't Jewish at all. These were educated scholars. These were uh, what I guess Jewish people would have called Gentiles. They were not of the faith. In fact, they probably would have been termed pagans. And these are some of the first people to come and to worship Jesus. I find it amazing that consistently in the Bible, it's the people that you don't think are going to be the ones to find him and worship him are the very ones that God uses to uncover this mystery. It's just a beautiful thing. But they come for one purpose. They want to worship this Christ child that they've heard of. They believe he's the Savior. They believe he's the King of Kings. They know of a lot of gods, but they think there's something special about this one. He has his own star, and they follow it, and they bring things with him, and, and so they come to just adore him, and that's their response. And over the past couple of weeks, we've kind of explored what our response can be, right? If you remember week one, we talked about worshiping by lifting our hands, especially you guys. <laughs> and I think we got that pretty well, and it, and it was good. And then week two, last week, we talked about worshiping by bringing our gifts, and we talked about giving and money. And I heard at least one person say, did I just amen a giving sermon? What? <laughs> so that was kind of exciting to talk about. And so this week, we're going to talk about something that may be a little less obvious way to worship Jesus. And that's by pouring out your heart, bringing Jesus your complaint, your problems, your lament. 
worshiping really not just from your mind, but really from the depths of your soul. So this morning, our text is going to be over in Psalm 142. We're going to pluck just a couple of verses out of there, verse 2 and verse 5, to talk about this. And it reads like this. I pour out my heart before him, my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and, and we do want to worship, Lord. We do want to do like we were just singing, Lord. We want to adore you, Father, and we want to we want to talk about all the ways we can possibly do that. Lord, we just want to exhaust all the ways we can possibly worship and glorify you, Father. So this morning, bring these words alive. Holy Spirit, touch hearts. Uh, Holy Spirit, touch my tongue. Uh, give me words. Give me teaching ability and, and open ears and minds to, to what you would have us know about you and experience with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, no doubt... There are several different kinds of people in this room this morning when we talk about crying out. Some of you are just blessed. You're like, what's she talking about, man? Life's good. (laughs) It's Christmas. My family's in. Everything's great. I had my Christmas shopping done in October. Yeah, right. Come on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it would be good, wouldn't it? And and everything's good. And, And you know what? That is a wonderful place to be, to pour out your heart to God. God loves those times. It's what, you know, he wants you to have. It's what he wants you to experience. There's probably a second kind of people that are here today where you're not blessed and you're not really terribly off. You're just kind of here. You're maybe a little bored with life. In fact, if I asked you what you're doing tomorrow, you'd be able to tell me. If I asked you what you're doing next week, you'd be like, yeah, I have a pretty good idea. But I asked you where you would be this time next year. You're like, dude, I don't have a clue. I'm just taking it one day at a time, and we're just going at it. And to tell you the truth, I did kind of notice it's getting a little, you know, humdrum around here. And maybe that's starting to bother you. You know, maybe life is getting just a little routine, and you're starting to wonder, is this it? Is this it? You know, I wake up every day, I go to work, I come home, I watch Netflix, I have some snacks, I talk to my wife, my girlfriend, my children, whatever, and, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. And, you know, there's times when that's not a bad thing. (laughs) I can tell you, there's times when that's not a bad thing. But for some of us, we're wondering if that's the whole thing. And there's some of you in this morning who are in that third category. Where it's not going well right now. Christmas is not a good place for you. Christmas is not a happy time for you. Maybe especially this year, there's going to be a space where somebody used to be at your Christmas table. Maybe this year, you're all too aware of just the way your family interacts is not a lot of fun. You know, you're not looking forward to that Christmas dinner together. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be painful. Maybe this year you haven't been doing so well economically. Maybe you've had some challenges. Maybe you just lost your job not that long ago, and Christmas is not a lot of fun because you can't be the giving person that you want to be. 
And that's not a place a lot of us like to be in. You might be a little scared and you might be a little confused and you might feel a little alone. And I think we have a lot to talk about this morning. And you know, the truth is, is we all, we all learn to cry out to someone. You know, we all find something to find our refuge and our security in. I mean, even from a very early age. I remember my oldest daughter had this Cabbage Patch doll. And I don't remember the doll's name. You know these dolls? They come with a birth certificate and a name. And they're like a little, I don't know. They try to make them into like a little cloth human being or something. And I want to tell you, Aaron drug this doll everywhere. Everywhere. Inside, outside, at the table, away from the table. And it got a little grungy. You know, when something would go wrong, she would hold it and she would cry and the tears and whatever else would, you know, get in the doll's hair and the doll was nasty and we would have to wrestle it away from her. And, you know, but she clung to that thing in which, Aaron, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, no, that Cabbage Patch didn't really get lost. <laughs> um, and, you know, as they grow up, As you grow up, teenagers start to have, you know, drama and crises, and they need someone to pour out to. They need someone to talk to. And as a parent, you hope that's going to be you. But how many times have we all heard or maybe even said, Daddy, you just don't understand? I like this boy. You know, you just don't understand. But we always find Someone to cry out to. Right now, you know, another word for crying out like this is lament. We're going to use this word lament this morning. And we don't often use that word in conversation. It's probably not familiar to a lot of us. But it means, it means to grieve, to cry out, to just really ache about something and want somebody to know about it. And I truly believe our modern lament is Facebook and social media. If you look at Facebook, it is people crying out about what is important to them, hoping someone will hear, hoping someone is moved to emotion like they are. And it doesn't matter what it's about. It it can be everything from pet adoption to Afghanistan. That this is where people are taking what's important to them now. And the truth is, is that that probably lets a lot of people know But can Facebook really change your circumstance? That's what what I want to talk about this morning. Lamenting and pouring out in a way that can really change your circumstance. You know, God has invited us into this wonderful, special relationship through his son, Jesus. He says, you can talk to me. I'm available 24-7, no matter what you have going on. And by the way... You know, I created this whole big thing, right? I can change your situation. And I want for you to cry out to me. I want for me to tell you, for you to tell me what's going on in your life. The day to day. From everything from I can't find a parking space to I can't find a mate. Whatever is going on in your life. The creator of the universe wants to hear about it. And so we're going to talk about pouring out our heart this morning and calling on him. And I, um, I want to talk about one thing first that's going to be really helpful as we do this. And this is actually your first fill-in. It's this. 
Remember God's faithfulness in the past. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. What can you do when you find yourself in a place that's really scary? When you find yourself in a place that's really bad. And, and uh, our psalm this morning, 142, was, was probably written by a guy named David. And throughout the psalms, he wrote a, a large number of them. We find him constantly pouring his heart out and, and bringing things to God. If we back up, oh, about 100 psalms or so, we find this in Psalm 42. It says, my tears have been my food day and night. Well, people say to me all day long, where is your God? And then he says this, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to God, to the house of God, under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praising among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why do so disturbed within me? David says he t- remembers God's faithfulness in the past. And the occasion for David writing this, as was so many of these things, is his own son wanted him dead. His son Absalom is coming after him because he's going to take the throne, he's going to run things, and he's going to lord it over Israel. And this is, David has this history of family members trying to kill him, by the way. <laughs> this isn't the first time. But his son is really coming after him, so much so that the king has to flee his palace and go and hide. And some neat things happen to David. And I'll let you read about that. But he remembers when people say, where is your God now? He says, these things I remember. He's able to call something to mind while he's in this troubled place, while he's in this dark place, not after he gets out of it. And it doesn't by any means make the situation change at the time. But I think, you know, David strengthens himself in this process. It's almost as if he begins preaching to himself. Yeah, I know it's bad, but I remember. I remember a time when it wasn't bad. And I think it's important that, we, that we're able to do that. And so this morning, what I want you to do is think about that for a minute. And we're going we're gonna to respond to that in a, in a second. You know, when I go back to these places, I think of places, you know, the first thing I go is I was not always a Christian I only became a follower of Jesus Christ about 10 years ago. And up until that time, I lived my life in a very stressful place, and I constantly had this ball of anxiety in in the pit of my stomach. And I can remember finally hitting the floor in the bedroom of my apartment and saying, okay, God, I don't know how to do life very well at all. I need you, and I need you. And I remember that anxiety melting away right there. And I knew I had met Jesus Christ. I remember that all the time. A few weeks ago, I will have forever in my memory, you all watched a video of my wife and I talking about a scare we had with cancer and just pouring our hearts out to God and saying, God, you know, deal with this, please. You know, you're in control of this situation. And he did. And he did. I will forever have that to recall to my mind when things are hard. I can remember little things, sitting in my advisor's office 
the first week I was going to go to CIU. And by the way, that's in Columbia, South Carolina, which is three hours away. Little, little known fact to me, because it turns out you actually have to go to campus so every day. And I needed a class to be taken care of, so I didn't have to drive back and forth three hours every day. And it hinged on getting permission from the dean of this school. And my advisor is a, is a large, kind of an imposing guy sitting across the desk. Going, oh, we, we love older students, non-traditional students that serve and everything. And he goes, but this, you know, you've got to, you're going to have to take this class. And I'm like, oh, but I can't drive to Columbia every day. And he said, well, I know who to call. I'll ask. And the phone rang. And it was that dean. And he was able to solve the problem right then, right there. He's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Wave it. I will forever have that to remember. And that's, that's a little thing. You know, you talk about money and money problems. I can't even begin to recount the number of times when checks have shown up for my wife and I. Um, right at the time we needed them. You know, I, it, six months after we're married, I, I just told this to Thursday night service, um, God said, hey, you know, why don't you quit your job and go back to school? I said, really? <laughs> you know, and, and the minute I did, it was like magic. Her income started going this way. <laughs> really, God? And at first, I kind of got freaked out. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to. And then God just came through time and time and time again and provided. And we have not been late on a rent check, on an electric bill. We've been able to celebrate birthdays and Christmas. We bought a car. We've been able to do life time and again. And I don't take God's provision for granted. That's not what I'm saying. I've just learned that he's got this. He's got this. And so you build these things into your life. And I know each of you, if you've been following Jesus for a little while, you have stories just like this. And if you haven't been following Jesus, you probably want stories just like this. So I want you to write down in your note place right there, somewhere on one of the margins, a time when God was really came through and was really faithful to you. And then on the other side, I want you to write the other side. There's something you've been crying out for. There's something that, that you need God to come through on, even this morning. Even just this morning, God, I need you to show up about this. One on one side, one on the other. If you want to do that at some time today. And so you can think back on a time when maybe, you know, when you got saved. You can think back on a time when God answered a prayer of yours, or, or he provided for you, or if you've ever been reading in your Bible and a verse just popped up and you're like, that's it. That's, that's the answer to what I've been praying about. Or maybe, you know, you're driving along and, and you kick on Caleb and that song just speaks to you that day. I've had that happen. I can't tell you how many times. I've been in this church where it was like it felt like Tim was just talking only to me. I'm like, dude, Really, (laughs) you know, and you have those times with God and and you realize that he is interested in you personally. This isn't just a blanket thing that's good for everybody. He knows Brian Bailey very, very well. There's a guy um, who is pretty known in the Bible for crying out to God other than David. 
guy named Jeremiah. He was a prophet sent to the uh, nation of Israel in, in Jerusalem. And uh, he wrote the book of Lamentations. There's a whole book in the Bible about crying out to God and the, the nation of Israel crying out to God. And if you want to talk about somebody that's seen some stuff, Jeremiah has seen some stuff. Once God decided to let Israel be corrected by her neighbors, he allowed them to invade and carry off the finest of everything that Israel had in 604 BC. That was one time Jeremiah was there for that. Then, only eight years later, he allowed them to do the same thing. In the midst of a really hard time, the Babylonians sweep in and say, you're not doing it the way we told you to, so we're going to take what you have again. And if you want to read more about this, the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, all of that is a fantastic story. But Jeremiah witnesses this over and over again because his people won't be obedient to their own God They just keep getting in worse and worse and worse predicament. And so he is just crying out. The whole book of Lamentations is him crying out. But in chapter 3, we read this. We read this amidst all of this destruction and and affliction and and, uh, just pillaging. Jeremiah says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore there I have hope. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness when you've lost someone. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, when when you've been rejected, when you've been unemployed, when you're financially stressed, when you have medical issues to deal with, when you don't understand and when you're afraid. I can tell you, (laughs) I've got good stories, and, and I think we all have our share of bad stories. One period in 2006, I lost my job. My car was repossessed. I was evicted. A week later, I was evicted again, and the capstone on this, this all happened within about two months, too. The capstone on this is I, I had tried to buy a bakery up in Sunset Beach, and it looked like God was really just opening this door wide open. My, my mom actually met somebody who was a presidential appointment. Uh, appointee to the Small Business Administration, and it was like, wow, he's going to get some things done. And then, man, doors just started slamming left and right. I mean, a congressman got indicted to shut this thing down. I'm like, wow, God, <laughs> you didn't just close that door. You kind of nailed it shut. And and I was just disappointed. By the end of that, it's like you know, you know, when you're just out of breath. You know, when, you, when you've been hit just so many times, you're like, God, just make it stop. Just make it stop. I don't care that you make it better. Just make it stop. Been there? And in that moment, in those moments, what David and what Jeremiah are telling us is that we need to trust in God's power 
for your future. And that's your second fill-in. Trust in God's power for your future. When it's at the darkest, trust in God's power for your future. David again. This is Psalm 102. We're going to look at a couple of verses out of this. He's, he's at another low. You know, he's constantly getting himself into things. David was very sensitive. For being known as the warrior king, he was a really sensitive guy. He says, hear my prayer, Lord. Let me cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In my distress, I groan aloud and I am reduced to skin and bones. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. And here's what we're here for this morning. Here's what you're here for this morning. But you, Lord. Those three words. But you, Lord. But you, Lord. Sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Say it with me. But you, Lord. But you, Lord. My life is falling apart, but you, Lord. I'm being attacked, but you, Lord. I'm so alone, but you, Lord. But you, Lord, sit enthroned. You, Lord, are powerful. You, Lord, are faithful. And you know what? When you talk to God and you cry out, just let it rip. He's a big guy. He can handle it. I promise you that. I've shaken my fist at the man plenty of times. He can handle it. And much more. And because he wants to hear it. Because you know why? He delights in taking that very same thing and restoring. He delights in finding ways to let you know just how very much you love him. And when you cry out to him and you say, Lord, I believe I'm not you. You can fix this. You're God and I'm not. That is some of the highest form of worship that you can give. Is telling God, I know you're in charge of this circumstance. I know your worship. But you, Lord. And when we do that, we learn we can push through the pain to the point where we can even praise him. Where we, where we can just get through all of that pain and remember that it's God who sits on the throne. He has the final say about everything. This is his universe. He's been faithful in the past to us and we can remember that and trust him with our future. See, I've told you a lot about the worst parts of my story this morning, but there's a really cool part about the that my this morning as well. About 5 years ago, um I got married. And uh this lovely lady right down here. And uh, our wedding night, don't worry. <laughs> we, we got a room in the Marriott. 
the top floor and in the bride. And I think it's because she wore her wedding dress in that they upgraded us and they put us up on the, on, the, on the top floor and in the bridal suite and they sent things up and they were really nice and it had a balcony. And I walked out. And I went, when I walked out, I looked down and I realized to the left was where I had come to work at the beach when the kid's mom and I broke up and that, all of that wreckage and that all went south. And I just understood that over that long period of time when I couldn't see what God was doing, he was doing. You get that? I couldn't see what he was doing, but he was doing. So if the band wants to come back up, Hebrew people, when they, were, when they would have a moment and God would bless them, they would, they would pile rocks in that place, and sometimes big piles of rocks and sometimes small, so that they and future people would know that they had been blessed there, that God had changed their circumstance there. And they called in an altar, and, and, and some of these still survive in places in Israel, but it was so they could remind themselves of these places and these times where God had changed their circumstance. Because when it gets bad, and it's not if it gets bad, it's when it gets bad, right? Because we all know that, that if you're up here today at some point, it's going to happen. God's still there in both situations. It helps to have that pile of rocks to go back to and look at. And you know, there's all kinds of things and ways you can cry out. You can cry out to a bottle. You can cry out to a gallon of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You can cry out to going to work. You can cry out to other people in relationships and sex. And you can find all kinds of things to cry out to. But there is only one thing that can change your circumstance. There's only one thing that can change your circumstances. That is crying out to the living God. So let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.